We're going to continue on where we left off. Brian did a great, uh, great job last week. We're going to be back in, the, uh, in Paul's letter to Timothy in 2 Timothy. If you take your Bibles, please turn with me this morning. Um, this morning, if you get bored, you have the ability to walk up and get a box, several boxes. Hopefully that won't be while I'm preaching. But anyway, no, make sure that you get boxes. There's information in the boxes about what to do with the boxes um, and when to bring them back. We'll bring them back. I think it's November the 8th, 15th, that time frame. Uh, but we want to make sure you get your boxes today. But turn in, in your scriptures uh, to 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to be there as we pick up where we left off last week. Uh, there on verse 19. And let me just say, I, I am. Uh, it's good to see you guys here. You know, it's amazing the different people that come in. Sometimes, you know, people are here because it's just part of your daily routine. I think one of the things that's happened during this, during this pandemic has been there are some people that aren't here because now they've gotten out of the habit of being here, and it's easier to stay home. There are other people that aren't coming because they have, they have reasons to be there. Maybe either they've been quarantined, they're fearful of the children, or maybe quarantine will end up impacting their, their family and their lifestyle, and then some people are just... They're, they're not in the best of health, and so it's not in their best interest to be here uh, because of what's going on. But, but for whatever reason that you're here today, some of you, because it's habit, some of you maybe have been invited, some of you are just sort of curious what's going on. We, I just want you to know that we're glad that you're here. And we're going to talk about some things I think that Paul has to say in reference to Timothy that reminds us, regardless of what's going on, God's truth stands firm. And we don't have to become discouraged because of whatever situation we may find ourselves in. But as we sort of begin today, I want to take you back just a little bit to remind you where Paul was. And if you remember, Paul is writing this letter. Where was he at? Does anybody remember? Where was he located? Come on, people. He's in prison. And he's in prison. And why was Paul, in, why was Paul in prison? He was in prison because of his faith in Christ. And so here's Paul near the end of his life knowing, I mean, he's not just in a, in a holding cell. I mean, this guy is down in a dungeon. It's wet, it's dark, it's nasty. And here he is in these last days of his life writing back to this young man that he had invested in, a young man that he had spent a lot of time with by the name of Timothy, a young man that he had mentored, a young man that was very significant in his life because Paul was walking alongside of him, recognizing the impact that he could have for Christ. And so here's Paul later on in his life. He's writing back to Timothy, and he's talking to him about various things. And there was a part in time um, when, when Paul was getting ready to leave, and you can, you can go back to Acts chapter 20 and see this story, where Paul's on one of the missionary journeys, and he's headed back towards home. And Paul had already spent a period of his time there in Ephesus, and he, he stops in at Ephesus um, to say goodbye because he knew that he wouldn't be coming that way anymore. So he pulls up and he, and he calls the, the elders of the church at Ephesus and the leaders down to the waterside. And it was there that we know it was a very emotional moment because the Bible says that they, they cried and they kissed him as they knew that they wouldn't see him any longer. And Paul had told them, listen, guys, I'm not coming back this way. And so it was there at that time that Paul instructed and he shared with them that, guys, listen, I want you to know that in the days ahead, after I'm gone, there's some going to come in, some false teachers that are going to be like vicious wolves. And they're not just going to come in from the outside, but they're also going to come in from the inside. And so Paul's warning to Timothy was this, watch out. Watch out. 
And that same warning that Paul gave to Timothy back years, 2,000 years ago, is the same warning that we today need to be mindful of inside of the church, the professing body of Christ. We need to be careful and watch out because there are vicious wolves, not only on the outside, but on the inside, that are feeding us false lines of information that's not truth. And they're not about what God the gospel has to say and leading us to truth through the gospel, but they're preaching a false doctrine. They're preaching a false gospel, trying to distort the truth and leading people astray. And we need to be mindful of that today. And so what we're going to see is Paul in today talking to us and reminding us about that. So here's Paul over the past few, um, few verses. And maybe you remember this. And you talk about the personality of Timothy. Paul's already reminded him, listen, to hold on, to be careful, um, to not be ashamed, to be bold in his faith. But now he's coming into this period of time where he's going to remind him, listen, you need to be strong in the midst of this and recognize that there are false teachers and there are false prophets. And so Paul's Timothy, the challenge, Paul's challenge to Timothy is going to be, I want you to be a faithful minister of the gospel. So here's one older man looking down to a younger man and telling him, here are some things that you need to be doing. And he likens ministry, a faithful minister, um, and he uses several illustrations. We've seen that over the past little bit. An athlete, a soldier, a farmer. Last week we saw where Brian brought to you the illustration of a good worker, um, a workman that need not be ashamed, that rightly divides the word of truth, one that handles the word of truth. If we're going to, to fight against and we're, we're going to know those, those that are false teachers and false prophets, we need to know the word. Brian's challenge to you last week was, listen, you need to be in the word. You need to be spending time in the word. You need to know the word of God so that when you hear that which is false, you can defend the truth. And if you remember at the end of, of verse 18 last, last week, as Brian was finished up, there were a couple of guys, Hymenaeus and Philetus, that had distorted the truth, and they were not only walking away from the truth, but they were also leading others astray. And if we were to look back at verse 18, it could sort of leave us like, oh my goodness, the church is in, the church is, is, is in trouble. But what we're going to see today is Paul said, look, in spite of all that foolishness that's going on, I want to remind you and I want you to be encouraged because there's some important things I want to I say to you. And so if you'll pick up with me today in verse 19, let's just go on and read through verse, uh, uh, through, through verse 26 as we finish up chapter 2 today. And this is what Paul had to say to Timothy. There in verse 19, beginning there. But God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with this inscription. Two things, the Lord knows who are His, and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. In the wealthy home, some utensils, and you might want to make note of the number of times the word utensils or vessels are used, depending on the translation that you have. Some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil, for honorable use, and you will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Run. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. And again, I say, don't get involved in the foolish arguments, the foolish, ignorant arguments that only start Fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel and must be kind to everyone, be able to teach and be patient with difficult people, gently instruct those who oppose the truth, 
And perhaps God will change these people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Would you pray with me today? Father, I, my simple prayer is this, God, that we would, we would hear the reading of the word, the Holy Spirit, be receptive to what the great teacher himself teaches us. Father, I pray that in the midst of this, that, Father, our heart would be, God, I just want to serve you. God, I want to know more about you, and I want to know in what way that I can, I can do what you've called me to do and do it effectively. Father, I pray today that um, our hearts would be moved and that today that we would just be receptive. Thank you, Father, for, for the reading of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So when we go back to chapter 18 and we hear the names of those guys called out, Hymenaeus and Philetus, um, and others, by the way, who have been throwing people into confusion, um, you would, might, might would think that, well, man, it's just, and we're just on, we're, we're, we're going downhill. But, but look, at what, look at what Paul says here to, to Timothy. He said, listen, in spite of all of this stuff that's going on, God's truth stands firm. Like a foundation stone with this inscription, the Lord knows who he is, and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. In, in spite of the coronavirus, in spite of presidential elections, in spite of false preachers that are distorting the truth all around us, Paul would say, listen, don't be discouraged, but be encouraged because God's truth stands firm. Amen? Amen. Listen, in spite of all the stuff that happens, he would say to us and remind Timothy, God's truth stands firm. And he gives us, he gives us two Two thoughts there of authenticity or seals in reference um, to the word. He says, listen, the Lord knows who he is. I don't know if you are the Lord's, but I know that the Lord knows who's his. See, I can't see your hearts. I see activity, but I don't know the condition of your heart. But the Lord knows who are his. It's the Bible that says, and Jesus himself that said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them. You can attend church every week. You can be active. You can stand in the pulpit and preach. You can sing and dance around and have, man, an incredible ministry here, we think, on earth with people. But you may not be the Lord's, but God knows who are His. Have you ever asked yourself, am I the Lord's? I mean, are you His? He knows whether or not you are. Then he goes on to, to write, those who belong to the Lord will turn away from evil. Well, in this passage, he's referring back to the Old Testament. Paul is to, to a story, to a story in reference to Moses and him leading the people of Israel. In the Old Testament, if you remember, it would be God who would call, appoint, and equip Moses to lead the people out of Egypt under the bondage of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And in the midst of that story, he would not only lead them out, but he would prepare them and get them ready to lead them into the promised land. But there was a group of people, there was a group, one or two or three plus more, there was a leader by the name of Korah, who had some other guys by Dathan and, and Abraham. Abraham. And, and these guys were divisive, and they were destructive, and they fought against Moses, and they tried to cause division, a, a schism in the people of Israel. And they were jealous. Um, they were jealous and they didn't like Moses. And all of a sudden, this got brought before Moses. And Moses, crying out to the Lord, said, God, you're going to have to help me with this because I don't really know what to do. I mean, Lord, you're the one that knows who are yours. 
And God told Moses at that time, listen, what I want you to do is tell the people to get away from the tents of Korah and his buddies because they're going to be destroyed. And the Bible says an earthquake came and the earth opened up and the ground and they swallowed Korah and those other families. They went into the earth and they were destroyed because the Lord knows who are his. And I thought about this. I said, man, isn't this a great, this is a great way in, in church Churches all over when there's problems. Okay, okay, you guys get over there, and we're going to get here, and we're going to see who is the Lord's, and the earth is going to open up. I bet it would stop an awful lot of church conflict, wouldn't it? There's an awful lot of foolishness that happens in churches today because of selfishness and bitterness and anger and greed. But the Lord knows who are, who are his. But secondly, those who confess the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. I mean, God's children are called to a, to a life of holiness, not just with our, to honor God with our lips, but to honor Him with our lives. And in the middle of those times when things look very difficult and then very, look very dim, I am reminded today that God is in control and that He is sovereign. And that even though we may not understand, God does. And we don't have to be fearful and we don't have to be afraid, but we can be, can be reminded that God's truth stands firm and it will continue. And so may we be reminded of that today. And then we see here in verse 20 and following an illustration, another illustration that Paul brings to Timothy in reference to false and to faithful. And look at what he says here. He says in verse 20, in a wealthy home, some utensils, you might want to make reference to this and see how many times that he uses that word or vessel, depending on your translation, are made of gold and silver and some are made of wood and clay. He says the expensive utensils are used for special occasions and the cheap ones are for everyday use. And so here we have Paul giving us the illustration of a vessel or a, um, a utensil. Now, there are different types of utensils. That word can mean vase, it can mean bowl, it can mean container. But Paul said that these vessels are inside of the house. Some are made of gold and silver, some are made of wood and, and clay, some are for honor, some are for dishonor. Some are for special occasions, some are for just everyday life. If you come into our house and you start going through the cabinets, you'll find all kinds of vessels. There are vessels that we use for special occasions. There are vessels that are for everyday use. We have some that are those plastic containers that you, you, know, you just sort of use every time from time. And then we also have some, some, some stuff that you can just use and throw away. We have some vessels in our house that my wife will say, do not take that outside. You probably have heard that before. And that may not be necessarily that special, but it's important. But then we have some things, well, you can take that outside and you can use that. So Paul likens these utensils or vessels in this house, which we could refer to the professing church, to be like a faithful teacher or a false teacher. The faithful teacher being the one that rightly divides the word of truth. It could be compared to a vessel of honor made of gold and silver and the false ones who would distort the truth that doesn't rightly divide the word of truth, a vessel of dishonor, one that may be ashamed one day when they have to give an account to the Lord that's made of wood and clay. And on a side note, if you go back to the book of Acts in chapter 9, we'll find a story, and maybe you know this story, about a man by the name of Saul who at one time persecuted the church. And if you know the story, Paul had a face-to-face -face encounter with the Lord on the road to Damascus, and inside of that story... What ended up happening is the Lord went to a man by the name of Ananias, and he said, listen, what I, what I want you to do, Ananias, is I want you to go to Saul. And Ananias is like, I don't want to do that. 
I mean, don't you know the, don't you know the story behind this guy, how he persecuted the church and how he was part of killing believers? I don't want to go see him. The Lord said, no, listen, I want you to understand that he's a chosen vessel, an instrument. And I've called him and I've chosen him to use him as an instrument to preach the gospel and bring the good news to the Gentiles and to kings and also to those who are part of the family of, of Israel, the children of Israel. And so we see this concept inside of the scripture of, of, of us being uh, sort of that word vessel, that those of us that are serving God or used by God are, are called a, a vessel, an instrument being used for God's purpose. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul brings about again this, this idea of a clay pot. He's not talking about false teachers and faithful teachers, but what he's talking about is, is that we are like clay pots, the frailty of clay pots, like broken pots. But even though a, a clay pot is, is broken, that it can be used and God can use it for his glory. I'd said it sort of, you know, that God can even use a cracked pot. God uses cracked pots, and I got cracked pots all over the place in this room. Have you ever thought about that God wants to use you in spite of all the, the brokenness in your life and all the things that you have? That God wants to use you, and he wants to use you for his glory, that we are all frail. And he reminds us of the frailty of the teacher, that God, however, wants to use us and listen at what Paul has to say, because this is so important to Timothy, is he talks about using Timothy as a vessel. You know, but, but how does God want to use me? How can God use me as a vessel of honor? And look at what he says, if you keep yourself pure, if you keep yourself pure, you'll be a, a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you'll be ready for the master to use for every good work. I mean, here it is. Paul is instructing Timothy, man, listen, God wants to use you as a vessel, but to use you as a vessel, you need to be clean. You need to be pure. You'll be a special utensil for honorable use, but you got to be clean. And then he goes on to tell him, well, how, how, you know, how do I be clean? I mean, this is so applicable even for us today. He says, run. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living and faithfulness and love and in peace and enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. And this application isn't just for the pastor, even though it is for the pastor. God wants us to be clean, but God wants you to be clean. See, the expectation for me to be clean is an expectation also for you to be clean, every one of us as believers. And I want you to look at three things back in 21 that he says in reference to a faithful pastor, to be sanctified or holy, to be set apart for God, to be useful of the master, to be prepared for whatever God has for you. And it's the idea of God, use me. God, use me. Here I am, Lord. Send me. In whatever capacity it is, I want to be pure before you, but I want to be used by you. Every one of us in this room, God's prepared you for greater things than just to attend church. On Sunday morning, Jonathan, God wants to use you. Larry, God wants to use you. Kyle, God wants to use you. Every one of us in this room, Tom, God wants to use you. Jerry, God wants to use you. Jack, God wants to use you. You know, Mickey, God wants to use you. But he wants to use us and he wants us to be clean vessels so that we can be used, set apart for his service.
so that we can be used for every good work. But he tells him he's got to do two things to be clean. Look at what he says, to flee and to follow after. To flee and to follow after. That word flee, to run, the Greek is fuego, which means it's where we get our word fugitive. If you know a fugitive, he flees, he runs from. And in the Old Testament, there's a couple of pictures that we find. You, you saw the people of Israel as they fled Egypt. They ran away from Egypt. You see the story of, of Joseph and running from Potiphar's wife when she tried to seduce him. He ran from her to get away from her. You see the story in the New Testament of, of Mary and Joseph when they fled with baby Jesus to get away from the wrath of of Herod. And so it's this idea of running away from danger. So a vessel must be clean and we are to flee. He says, run, flee from anything that stimulates youthful lust. He didn't say lust. He said lusts. Okay. He didn't, it wasn't just lust. It was lusts. In other words, he was talking about all kinds of temptations and sins that are prominent in the life of a young person. And some of you are like going, oh, I'm so thankful you said young person because that doesn't apply to me. That doesn't apply to me. I'm glad that he's talking about the young people and he's not talking about me any older. But that flee to that, that, that call to flee isn't just limited to the young people. It's for every one of us. Because every one of us are a step away from Stupid, yeah. And some of us are closer than a step, Jim. Some of us are half a step. Some of us may be a quarter of a step. Tears Timothy, probably around the age of 35, when Paul is writing this to them, and, and just remembering back, I mean, even though he's a pastor, he's a young pastor. He's youthful. And here's Paul, he's not just telling him to flee sexual temptation, but there's a broader implication to what's taking place here. And that broader implication is, is, I mean, just think about the temptation of arrogance. Have you ever known a younger person that just happens to know everything? Have you ever known an adult that happens to know everything? You can't tell them anything? Or what about the temptation of impatience or pride or greed? What about the, what about the temptation of recklessness or jealousy, selfishness or boasting? And that list just goes on. And Paul is, isn't just saying flee from sexual immorality, but he's saying flee from anything that isn't Christ-like. And even though Paul was speaking and warning young Timothy, I have to say, I have to believe that even today, this is applicable for us. And he says again, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. But instead, but instead, so not just run from but you're going to run to something. He says, pursue righteous living, that is right living before God and man, and faithfulness, holding on and trusting God. It's that idea of dependency on God. I mean, we say that we trust God, but do we really trust God? Or do you trust yourself? Do you trust your resources? And he said love, that agape love. It's, a, it's that defining mark for those of us that are true believers, how we not only love God, but how we love other people that God has placed within our sphere of influence. And then, and then the word peace, you know, when I was thinking about peace, I thought to myself, am I a peacemaker or am I a stink stirrer? That's maybe a question you need to look to the person. Look to the person on your left, just say, are you a peacemaker or are you a stink stirrer? Yeah. I see some of you looking away. You don't want to talk to the person on your left. Are you a peacemaker or you a stink stir? 
You know, in the youthfulness of your life, you probably think it's fun to get a little fight going on every once in a while, but are you a peacemaker or are you a stinkster? I spent a lot of time trying to make peace in areas. Peace between husbands and wives that are going at it. I have enough problem trying to get Meredith just to agree with me from time to time, right? I have to make peace in my house. I got to make peace between other husbands and wives. I have, to, I have to make peace between a businessman and another businessman that are at conflict about issues. I've got to make peace over here. I try to keep the peace. I'm supposed to be a peacemaker, not a stink stirrer. But how many people that call themselves believers and followers of Christ are stink stirrers? You're doing everything you can just to, just to try to cause division. Matter of fact, you love being in the middle of the stink. And Paul would say, look, holiness isn't just saying no to youthful lust, but it's fleeing from them. But it's also pursuing something, pursuing righteous living in faith and hope and love and peace. And that our hope isn't just about saying the things that we say no to, but it's in turn saying yes to God. I mean, how many times do we think that we're holy or that we're set apart because of the things that we don't do, yet we never pursue God and we never pursue holiness? Well, you know, I'm a strong Christian because I don't do this, and I'm better than them because, you know, they do that and I don't do this. But the question is, what are you pursuing? You may be doing a, running from something, but what are you pursuing? And we are to practice and we are to pursue righteousness. And I love this thought here, enjoying, while enjoying the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. And there's nothing like being around a group of like-minded people, being connected to a community of people that are like-minded, that are seeking after the same things, that are seeking after the heart of God and pursuing Him. You know, I don't know who's in your sphere of influence. I don't know who you're surrounded by. But you have people in your life that are seeking and pursuing after the heart of God. And Paul's saying, look, Timothy, he said, it's important that you enjoy the companionship of others who call on the Lord with pure hearts. We're living in that community, encouraging and supporting one another. And so we have this illustration of a vessel, a clean vessel that God wants to use us, but he wants us to be pure. He wants us to flee and he wants us to pursue. Do you know that God wants to use you? But he wants you to be pure. He can use you. And we see times in the scriptures where God uses all kinds of people because God can take a, a crooked stick and strike a mighty lick, but God wants us to be pure. I wonder if there are things that we're missing out in in our life because we're, we're not as pure maybe as the Lord wants us to be. You know, you may think whatever you do in secret stays in secret, but this isn't Las Vegas, people. God knows everything. Hello? See those times in your privacy, you think nobody knows about this, this area of dishonesty or nobody knows about this area of secrecy in your life? Let me just, let me promise you this, God knows everything. And I wonder if there's something that you may be missing out that God wants to do and he wants to use in your life and, and yet he, he's not because you're not seeking after and pursuing him. I mean, on the outside, it looks really good, but the Lord knows who are his. And those of us that are of the Lord must turn away from evil. But look at the second illustration that he gives us, and I'll close out with this today. He gives us the illustration of a servant. The illustration of a servant. He goes on to say, and I read for you in 23 and following again, I say don't even get involved in foolish and ignorant arguments. They only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. He must be able to teach, be patient with difficult people. 
gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. And so here we find in these passages of Scripture from 23 and on, here's the illustration of a faithful servant, of a servant. The word servant there means, so we get the word doulos. We pull servant out of doulos, which means bond slave or bond servant. It's one who voluntarily devotes themselves to their master without regard for themselves. Wow, what a picture. A person that's not required to, but voluntarily, without regard to himself, devotes himself to his master. A bond servant would be one that would be set aside. He would be marked. They would identify him by, by piercing his ear, we find out in the Old Testament. They would identify him, what he was used for, and whose property he was. And so as believers, and here it is as a faithful servant, somebody that is a bondservant, a bondservant that is a slave to the, as a servant to Jesus Christ, that we voluntarily submit ourselves, that a faithful pastor, a faithful teacher is one who voluntarily submits himself of time and talents and treasure, that everything that we have is his, that our lives are not our own, you know, it's really interesting, too, that if you go back and you trace the number of times that Paul deals with the issue of our speech and foolish conversations. And I have to believe in this whole process is, is Paul is telling Timothy to grow up. He's telling him to leave the stuff behind of your, of your youthfulness. And I want you to grow up and understand that your speech and your conversation can either heal or it can hurt. It can destroy or it can encourage. And Paul says to Timothy, man, I say, don't get involved in foolish and ignorant conversations that only start fights. Wow. And then he gives us the illustration of the servant, a servant of the Lord, and look at what he says, not quarrelsome, must not quarrel, must be kind. Maybe this is a, a place that you just need to do a little checklist must be kind, must be able to teach, must be patient with difficult people. How many of us have difficult people in our lives? And the way that we handle them is to push them off. We got somebody that's struggling. We have somebody that's, that's, that's walking through a difficult time. Maybe we have somebody that's walked astray instead of us embracing them and walking alongside of them. It's a whole lot easier, but what does he say here? He says, he says be patient with difficult people. I wonder how many times people have to be patient with us. How many times have I had people that have been patient with me and gently walked alongside and have um, taught me and been kind to me in those times when I've not been really teachable? Times that, that I've not really been very lovable. Yet Jesus gave us the example to follow. And he goes on to say in verse 25, gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Gently instruct those who are false teachers. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. I'm, I'm reminded even right now, I didn't share this earlier, um, but there's a diagram that Jack had given me one many years ago about, the, about a faithful witness for Christ. You know, when you come to know Christ, you take the information that somebody gives you and you tell somebody else about what you've learned. Are you with me? So let's just say, let's just say, Angelie, that, 
that you're a follower of Christ, you're a new follower of Christ, and, and your dad and mom give you some information about what it looks like to be a follower of Christ. And you not only receive Christ, but you know that you're supposed to tell others. And so you take that information and you go share that information with other people. That's what happens. And so a lot of times we have people that will share information that we know about Christ and the things that we've learned. We go out and we share that information with other people. But as you mature in Christ, you walk, there comes a point in time when your faith is challenged. There comes a place in time in your, when your faith is put to the test and you've got to make a decision. Am I going to hold on or am I going to fold and give in? And you know what happens to those people around us? They watch, they see. They see us as we walk through those times of difficulty. They see we, as we walk through those times of temptation. When we walk through those times of discouragement and we continue to hold on, and what ends up happening, we go from being and taking that information that we learn, the things that we say that we have and that we believe in our lives, and we pass it out to information. But all of a sudden, we got people that are watching us, and they're seeing how we're living our lives, and they're seeing how we're responding, and they're seeing how we're handling certain circumstances and situations. And instead of us having to go to people, all of a sudden, people begin to come to us because they see Jesus in us. You with me? And look at what he's saying. As a maturing believer, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel. Why? People are watching. A servant of the Lord must be kind. Why? Because people are watching. A servant of the Lord must be able to teach and know the word. Why? Because people are watching. A servant of the Lord must be patient with difficult people because people are watching. It's hard. And he says to gently instruct those who oppose the truth. You know why? Because they're watching. And perhaps in the middle of you living life and doing what you should be doing and being a clean vessel, he says, perhaps God will change people's hearts and they will learn the truth. You will never, ever convince somebody to know Jesus by arguing with them. Isn't that something else? You don't change the lives of people anyway. It's the Holy Spirit that prompts them, but he'll take you doing what you should be doing and living as a faithful servant of God and prompt their hearts. And then he goes on to share as he instructs Timothy. He instructs him that then they will come to their senses as you walk through this, as you mature in Christ. They, then they will come to their senses and hopefully escape the devil's trap that they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. At the center of the, of the false prophet, of the false teacher, is the lies of the devil himself. Since the beginning, he's always caused doubt and he's always caused confusion, even going back to Genesis. Did God really say that? Did God really say that? So over the past several weeks, if we've been walking through these illustrations, if you remember, an athlete, a soldier, a farmer, a good worker, an approved worker that rightly handles the word of God. And today we've seen a vessel God wants to use us. He wants us to live in purity and also a servant. He wants us to be submitted, fully devoted, completely devoted to him, voluntarily submissive. We're to be a soldier to recognize that we're part of God's army, following the orders of our heavenly father, carrying out his mission, living on mission every day, recognizing that God has a plan and a purpose for our life that he wants us to be part of. That as an athlete, he wants us to run the race with endurance and follow God's word 
that we are to till the soil as a farmer, we're to sow the seeds of good news, and we're to be patient as, as those seeds begin to blossom and grow and as they produce food, fruit. That we are to be a, a workman, that we rightly divides, that cuts straight the word of God, that we're to be a vessel that's clean and pure and ready for the master's use, and we're to be a servant, a doulos, a bond slave, recognize that we're willingly submitted to our Heavenly Father, ready to do whatever He wants us to do, that we're set aside, that we're sanctified, that we're ready for use, that we're prepared. You know, last week, Brian, he said to you, he challenged you with a couple of thoughts in reference to being in the Word, because it's really important. And guys, can I just say this? It's not going to get any better. I mean, do you think that the attacks that Satan has, do you think he's just going to all of a sudden just let up? No. It's really important that we know the Word, but also that we recognize the role that we have, the position that we have, that we opportunity we have to live as, as God's people, to be faithful to Him, to carry out the Word, to recognize that He's called us to be an ambassador. And I think as I, as I look at it today in reference to a challenge that every one of us need to be, to have that, that desire to be a clean vessel. And so we're going to end today just in a, in a time of prayer. Not only to be a clean vessel, but for us recognizing that we have the ability to be a servant of God, to willfully say, God, I, I want to completely surrender my life to you. Because there are some of us that are believers and followers of Christ, but we're not the clean vessel that we need to. There are things maybe going on in your life that need to be dealt with. Why not today? Why not today be that day to say, God, I, I, I don't want to live that way any longer. I just don't want to run from something. I don't want to run from and the, 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 the youthful lust. God, I just don't want to run from that, but I want to pursue you. I want to pursue you today. I want to pursue righteousness. I want to pursue love. I want to pursue faith, and I want to pursue peace. And I want us to have and just end up with a time of prayer, reminding ourselves of, of where we are and the position that we have, and being reminded that God's called every one of us to be faithful, faithful uh, followers of him. That this call that, that Paul gives to Timothy isn't just for a faithful pastor. It's not just to protect ourselves from that which is false but it's to clean ourselves out so that God can use us. And so as we close today, would you just bow today with me in a word of prayer? Father, thank you today for your word as we're reminded of what Paul wrote to Timothy back 2,000 years ago, that these words are so applicable to us. Remind us today of the privilege it is to be part of your kingdom, to be part of, of, of your army that you have positioned to go into the world to make a difference. Father, remind us today that that same Holy Spirit that, that came, that was present at Pentecost that day and filled those believers is the, same, is the same power of the Holy Spirit that lives within us today to, to live, not under the power of sin any longer, but under the, the power of the Spirit. Father, remind us today that we have the privilege of being your servant Father, if there are those of us in this room today that are, that are struggling with unconfessed sin, even today, would we, 
would we recognize the privilege of being pure and holy. And that's what you call us to be. Even right now, help us to confess our sins to you, God, and ask you to cleanse us. Help us not to just, to just hold on to those things that we've said no to, but help us to realize the importance of, of pursuing you and to living righteously. What does it look like that, that God, for what kind of a work could you do if, if, Father, we were that clean vessel? What kind of work could you accomplish, God, if, if, we, were, if we were holy? What kind of work could you accomplish, God, if we recognized that we were a vessel of honor? That's what I want to be in my own life. Convict me of that. I confess my sins to you today. And Father, for as in reference to a servant, God, I pray that we would be a servant that would be completely and wholly committed to you. Father, I pray that as a servant, we would recognize our position to say, God, take whatever it is and it's yours. My time, my talent, my treasure, God, it's all yours. Use me. For the person today that has never placed their faith in Christ, Father, I have to ask the question, what is it that keeps us from making the most important decision of all? And that question is pride. We don't need you. But Father, I pray today there would be a clear recognition, God, that you, that you are holy and that you are perfect. And then in your love, you sent your son to do something only that he could do, and that was to die for us, the perfect lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice who would die for our sins, the sins of the world. Father, I pray for those that have never made a decision to trust Christ that even this morning they would confess their sin, believe that Jesus died on the cross, and will be willing today to commit their lives to follow you. Thank you, Father, for hearing us today, the reading of your word, which is so powerful. Father, I pray that um, we would be encouraged in the midst of this time, which is so easily to become discouraged. Father, I would pray that we would remember that God's truth stands firm. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.